All right, I'm Luke Stacy. I'm Jack Rubin. And uh, we thank you for joining us on our first ever podcast. Yeah. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our initial reaction to the NCAA tournament reveal and uh, bubble teams, sleepers, the teams that we feel are overrated, and then follow it up with our own individual picks. Yeah, man. So uh, first off, something interesting to me was that North Carolina, UCLA, and Kentucky all got fit into the same region. Uh, all three of those teams are definite uh, title contenders. You know, I don't understand some of these. They feel a little bit lopsided. I mean, you got a team like North Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA, like you said, all title contenders. Mm-hmm. All have um, North Carolina has the veteran leadership. They've been there. They've done that last year with making their run. Yep. UCLA, Lonzo Ball, the big story this year. Everybody loves him. Uh, Kentucky, you know, every single year they've got the talent to win it. But then you you look at a region like the bottom left. Gonzaga, they're they're always a good team, but they've never still never made the final four. Still unproven, yep. Uh, Northwestern, first ever title. I mean, uh, NCAA tournament appearance. Um, Arizona, you know, been a little shaky up and down this year, but yep. still got that Pac-12 championship though. Yeah, so ride, that's a that's a good one. Ride. Even the top right, really. Kansas might be your only one. Louisville hasn't been great lately. Oregon, their center Chris Boucher just got hurt. Really, it, I think it's between them and uh, Michigan for uh, yeah. the title there. That's that's criminal to me. The fact that Michigan got a seven seed. I mean, they they rode into the tournament with a late yeah. appearance. I mean, with the plane accident that happened and, yep. and having to drive in, pra- uh, play in the practice front uniform in the first round. And the, you know? the committee does judge an entire season though more than they they value just a couple of games. Even even if they're just in the last two weeks, they still value the entire season. And they got off to a really bad start. So, uh, looking at the top left portion, I think we honestly, in the Elite Eight, could see what might be the potential national Absolutely. championship yeah. in itself with Villanova and Duke if that were to end up happening. Yeah, Duke, probably the most talented team in the country right now. Jason Tatum, Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, Emil Jefferson, fantastic players. And then Villanova, obviously, coming off the national championship last year. That may be the, the Elite Eight championship that everybody wants to see. So what do you say? You say we start with bubbles? You want to get it Yeah, going? absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, um, I mean, there are teams that didn't make it. Syracuse, Illinois State, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think Cuse has any argument to be made. You know, you, you had your chances. You yeah. did win three top ten games. You did win six in the top 50. But yeah. you, there's too many losses. And there's you, bad losses. You're right. Usually that gets you in if you have six top 50 wins, three top ten. Unfortunately, they had two wins away from home. And they had a home game in December. They lost to St. John's which has an RPI of some 250 by 33 points. You just can't do that if you want to be in the tournament. As far as Illinois State goes, I mean, yeah, they did. They did have a great record, Yep. but there was nothing to look at and be like, yeah, that proves yeah, Illinois they State had deserves the, to They had it. the one uh, win against Wichita State, but after that, they beat the teams in their conference, and they just aren't very good. They're not in the RPI, even top 150, really. It's just Wichita State. The thing that's kind of crazy to me this year, even the teams that did make it from the bubble, like uh, Kansas State, Wake Forest, yep. Providence, yeah, they made it. But in years past, I've looked at some of those bubble teams, like Dayton when they made their mm. run to the Elite Eight, or VCU when they made their run to Elite Eight, even though nobody really, or the Final Four, when nobody saw that coming. I look at both all three of those teams, and I I just don't see that kind of potential. Regardless. No, I don't either. Uh, the four teams that have to play in Dayton, Providence, USC, uh, Kansas State, and Wake Forest. They have some decent RPI, uh, decent wins too, but there there's just not the type of potential there. The the bubble has been very weak this year. Yeah, I just and you know Jim Beheim's real upset, mm-hmm. and dude's a great coach. Last year he proved you you give me a chance, I yeah. can make something of it. But yeah. at the end of the day, 
you win your games, you don't put yourself in a position to be on the bubble, yeah. and this isn't being talked about. And and unfortunately for Illinois State, they just don't have the strength of schedule to even really be considered even only losing five games. A five-loss team in a big conference would probably be a top-five seed, but Illinois State, they can't get the out-of-conference strength of schedule up. Yep. All right, you want to start talking about sleepers? Yeah, definitely. Some Cinderella's. Uh, one team I look at, I think everyone can uh, pretty much agree with this, is Middle Tennessee State. Uh, obviously, off the run last year, they had beating Michigan State as a 15 seed. That's pretty incredible. Especially over the pick that everybody had mm-hmm. to win it all. Absolutely. This year, they got Minnesota in the first round, which is a pretty young team. But at the position that uh, you want veteran leadership, they do have a senior, Nate Mason, They've been playing some good basketball lately. They have an RPI of 20, so they're definitely worthy of uh, a five seed. But Middle Tennessee State, their RPI is 26. That's pretty darn good for a team playing out of Conference USA. Yeah, the it's as crazy as it sounds with these two being, I mean, pretty good teams over the last couple of years. I really look at Michigan and Michigan State as both potential sleepers. Yeah. Michigan riding a hot streak. I mean, you got a fantastic backcourt in Derek Walton and Zach Irvin. Absolutely. And... Um, DJ, DJ Wilson. Wilson's coming yeah. on strong. Yeah. And then also, that second-round matchup between Michigan State and Kansas is scary if I'm Kansas because mm. Michigan State has all the all the talent in the world to compete mm. with anybody. They just haven't found a way to put it together. But yeah. if they do for 40 minutes, Kansas might be going home in the round of 32. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one I look at, or going back to Michigan State, uh, Miles Bridges, that's a heck of a player for Michigan State, and we all know what Tom Izzo is capable of in the month of March. He he turns 10 seeds, 9 seeds, there are 10 right now, to do anything they want. The one that's really, really fun to look at for me is Florida Gulf Coast. Florida yep. State, you know, they started the season absolutely unreal. Yep. Only but, one loss in the out-of-conference. But since then, they've kind of fallen back to earth. Mm-hmm. And then their second-round matchup, if they were able to pull off that upset, would be against two teams that have been struggling down the stretch in Xavier and Maryland. Yeah, so, so it's kind of a if, if if they get past the first game, they're looking good to get to the Sweet Six, 16. But that first round matchup, I think Florida Gulf Coast matches up very well with that young Florida State team. I th- I think if there's one team though that everybody could potentially get behind as a sleeper this year, it would be Northwestern with them making yes. their first title appearance. Yeah. On top of that, they do have a tough game coming up in the uh, first round against Vanderbilt who, as we know, have won the last three against Florida, which is a very good opponent. They're a four seed uh, in the East region. But uh, if they get past that first one, we all know Gonzaga is very unproven as well. So it's going to be two unproven teams going at it in the, uh, the round of 32. The thing that's fun about that to me is Northwestern, with this being their first appearance, everybody across the country, it's pretty consensus opinion that you know we're all excited for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So if they were to go up against Gonzaga in the round of 32 – and they kept it close for a while, any standard observer that was not a fan of Gonzaga oh, yeah. is jumping on that bandwagon and pulling for him hard. Yeah. It could be a lot of pressure to put on Gonzaga. Yeah, and uh, let's go on to the overrated teams. Maybe you could consider Gonzaga as a one-seed overrated, but they do only have one loss. Another that I look at is really Baylor. Uh, they kind of got lucky that the 14th seed they had to play is New Mexico State. Not really a team anyone knows much about. They're, they haven't really beat anybody this year. They kind of got lucky they didn't have to play Florida Gulf Coast. But Baylor, they got off to the fantastic start this year. They were 20-0 and at one point, and then just a couple weeks later, they were 24-7. and That's 
they they yeah they've gone four and seven in the last eleven. That's not a formula you want heading in to the month of March. I mean, going back to Florida State as well. Started off the season like we said, really hot. Yeah, but exactly. They, it's like they peaked at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and since then it's been a steady decline. So when I look at them, you know, getting that high of a seed, I I, I just don't understand it. They they are a really good team, and they've got a lot of young talent, which mm-hmm. will bode well for me for them moving down the absolutely road the next yeah. couple of years. But I just don't. This think year just may not they, be it. Yeah, yeah, they were not ready, and honestly, I mean, they they're on upset alert. Yeah, they and they rarely make it to the NCAA tournament. I don't think any of those guys have any experience in the NCAA tournament. Uh, one coach that does have a lot of experience in the NCAA tournament is Rick Pitino at Louisville. They're going to go up against Jacksonville State in the first round. I think we like Louisville there, but the second round matchup is against Michigan. I think a lot of people will pick Michigan as an upset here. Louisville, they're another team that really got off to that good start. They have a good RPI at 7, a great strength of schedule at 2. So really, you could say they do deserve that 2 seed. But lately, they have been on a decline. They lost to Duke in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. So uh, look for Michigan to really uh, have a good chance of upsetting Louisville there. Yeah, it's not only – I mean, I do feel Louisville is overrated, but on top of that, I mean, I really like how this Michigan team is coming exactly. together down the stretch. They got a terrible matchup if for I their second round. any team in the country and that's in, that's in this tournament, mm-hmm. I am very glad that I avoided Michigan with the way that they've been playing. Absolutely. Uh, another one, this team's been struggling on offense just horribly lately, and that's Virginia. Uh, they're going to have that first-round matchup against UNC Wilmington, which could be another uh, sleeper team. I think a lot of people like this one. Uh, their RPI is 27, playing in a, a one-bid uh, conference, so they've done very well this year. All right, so before we head into our last segment with our own individual picks, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, me and Jack are putting together a March Madness pool. If you retweet this link, it'll go down to $5.00. If you do not retweet the link, it'll be $10 for entry. You get a max of two brackets. Regardless of whether or not you retweet, the second bracket will be $5. So we hope you join. We hope you retweet and uh, show us some love. So now we'll move on to our own individual picks and uh, just kind of run through our, our Sweet 16. So with my uh, my Sweet 16, I think Nova you know, handles Wisconsin. Whiskey has, has some senior leadership that's good, but... I just think Villanova last year coming off that tournament, they've been there, they've done that. They've obviously got Josh Hart and uh, um, Brunson. Koenig, yeah. Yeah, Brunson from Wisconsin. But mm-hmm. um, then uh, my second team, Florida. Yep. You know, I, it's not necessarily – I like Florida as a team, but it's also partially just because of that draw that I have them there. SMU, very underrated. I mean, people know about them, but you don't get to watch them enough, and they're going to show a lot of teams in this tournament – we're for real. We might not be from a power five, but we are for real. Then obviously your last one is Duke. Um, don't don't even need to talk about it. Tatum, Giles, you know, Kennard, uh, and um, Grayson Allen. Yep. The, the talent is all there to to make a run and even win it all. Going down to the bottom part, you got this is my crazy upset of the tournament. Um, I talked about it earlier. I think Northwestern gets past that first game. And the first half of the Gonzaga game, you know, is right there. And all the pressure starts to mount on the Zags. And I, and I think just people are going to want to get behind Northwestern. So I've got them making the Sweet 16. Um, call me crazy, I know. Second round, I had a really tough time between this one with Notre Dame and West Virginia. That one's back and forth. But I think uh, the press, the full court press, is just going to be a little too much for Notre Dame. 
and uh, I've got West Virginia making it to the Sweet 16. The, the, the bottom left portion, the West region, it's really, really tough. Um, a lot of these teams, I just I look at them, and I, I don't think they're necessarily ready for a run or anything. So, like I said, Xavier and Maryland coming off tough endings to the season, and Florida Gulf Coast, you know, playing hot. They're fun. People are going to get behind them. I've got them actually making it to the Sweet 16 as well to face up with Arizona. I like them. They're young. They're talented. And uh, they just came off back-to-back wins over UCLA and Oregon, so they've got some momentum heading into the tournament. In the top right in the Midwest, we're looking at Kansas. I mean, you don't have to talk about their backcourt. You already know about them. They're, they're big time. They've been there. They've done that this season, and, and they're ready for that veteran leadership. I've got them. This one was really tough. Purdue, Iowa State. Iowa State really, really, really hot right now after winning the Big 12 tournament. Purdue has one of the best players, if not the best player in the country, with Caleb Swanigan. So I've actually, just by a couple points, I, I think it's going to come down to the last minute, but I've got Purdue moving on. Uh, Oregon, I think Oregon is real with Dylan Brooks. They made it to the Elite Eight last year, and they've clearly got the talent to get back there again. So I've got them in the Sweet 16 facing off with Michigan, who is, in my opinion, as hot as anybody in the country and and uh, playing confident, which is huge for them. And finally, in the South region, UNC, same same as Villanova, you know, it's potential we could see a, a national championship um, national championship rematch. I really wouldn't be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. So I've got them in the top facing off with Butler. That one, that whole entire area is tough to me. I could see Minnesota making it to Sweet 16. I could see Minnesota losing the round of 64. Um, but I've, I've got Butler making it out of there. And uh, everybody loves Lonzo Ball. I don't see how you can pick against him. I love him personally. I think he, he uh, just plays with so much composure and poise that never gets rattled. So I've got UCLA and Kentucky. Those are, those are my Sweet 16 picks. Yeah, and going here. For mine, starting in the East region, uh, obviously Villanova, what they've done this year, 30-3. and three, uh, Two of those losses are to the same team that they just don't match up well with. Uh, I think they beat Virginia Tech in the round of two. I think Virginia Tech beats Wisconsin there. Uh, the next, uh, like you said, uh, pretty much according to the draw, I'd say Florida will uh, match up against Villanova. Uh, SMU, I also think they beat Baylor in an upset there as the sixth seed, and they'll go uh, to play Duke. Villanova and Duke in the Elite Eight, that's going to be a heck of a matchup in uh, Madison Square Garden, too. Uh, to the West region, I think Gonzaga does get it done, but not over Northwestern. I like Vandy in that one, actually. They've been playing some good ball. they got uh, Luke Cornett, uh, Riley Lachance. Those are some good uh, NBA prospects. Uh, but I think Gonzaga with Karnowski and Williams-Goss, uh, just too much athleticism there. Uh, I like Notre Dame to beat West Virginia in the 4-5 matchup there. I think Notre Dame... Coming off a, a runner-up finish in the ACC tournament, that's a very, very good conference. And to be uh, the runner-up in the ACC tournament, that's a heck of an accomplishment for Notre Dame. They've been playing some really good ball. Uh, I agree with you, Florida Gulf Coast. I think they beat Florida State and uh, Maryland. Maryland's kind of a struggling team. I really don't think Mellow Trimble can get it done. Uh, maybe next year for Maryland, they got they got a lot of young talent on that team. But I think Florida Gulf Coast, fun style. Uh, beats Maryland in the second round, and they'll face off against Zona in a in a really good matchup there. But I like uh, Markinen and Arizona to move on to the Elite Eight there. Uh, going up to the Midwest region, uh, obviously Kansas. I think they'll beat Miami, Florida there. Not really in a in much of a contest, but they're going to match up with uh, Purdue after Purdue beats Iowa State in probably one of the best Sweet Sixteen matchups 
in this year's tournament. They're going to have uh, the number one player of the year and the number two player of the year in whichever order. That ends up being uh, Frank Mason for Kansas and Caleb Swanigan for Purdue. So that's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, Oregon, I think they do beat Creighton even with the injury to Chris, Chris Boucher. Uh, Dylan Brooks is a heck of a player, and I think he can lead them to the Sweet 16. And I also agree with you with Michigan. I think Michigan gets it done against Louisville. That's a that's a very hot team coming out of the Big Ten, and I think they got underseeded. I would have had them as a five or a six, not a seven. So that's a terrible draw there for uh, Louisville Cardinals. Uh, down to the south, UNC. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious there. They're going to have to go through uh, Arkansas or Seton Hall. Seton Hall's a pretty good team, but uh, UNC should get it done with that backcourt with uh, Joel Berry and Justin Jackson. Uh, Minnesota-Middle Tennessee, that's a great matchup. I like Middle Tennessee State in that one. And then the other side of that is Butler-Winthrop. I like Butler as well, so Middle Tennessee State's going to match up with Butler. I think that's going to be a fantastic contest in round two. But I'm going to go with uh, Middle Tennessee State. That's my big upset of the second round against four-seed Butler. Uh, The other uh, ones in this, this I think can go any way possible. The, The formula to beat UCLA is amazing defense and very physical. Cincinnati, that's the perfect team. Uh, to beat UCLA, but I do think Lonzo Ball, Bryce Alford, Thomas Welsh, TJ Leaf, just too much there for Cincinnati. They're going to move on to the Sweet 16. And right back down here, Dayton, Wichita State, and Kentucky battling for that Sweet 16 spot. I like Kentucky to beat Wichita State in the bottom. Yeah, so uh, the one game as I was filling out this bracket that was so tough to me, and um, I actually, it gave me a little flashback, was Looking at, in the top right region, my Elite Eight, I've got Kansas and Michigan. And the last time they met in the top right corner of the bracket, I think we all remember what happened with Trey Burke hitting about a 35-footer to send it to overtime before Michigan ended up pulling away and uh, led to a national championship uh, appearance before losing to Louisville. Losing, falling short a little bit to Louisville. But, I mean, Michigan, if if they get to the Elite Eight to face off with Kansas, you're going to see a ridiculous backcourt game between Mm -hmm. – uh, Devontae Graham and Frank Mason against um, Zach Irvin and Derek Wall. And, I mean, those are those are four of the best one and two guards you are going to see in the entire country. And um, Kansas is Kansas obviously has a little bit more experience and whatnot, but, um, you know, Michigan is hot. Michigan is just so hot. Mm-hmm. It may, it, I really think Michigan is going to have a great chance to pull off the upset and make it to the Final Four. Yeah, and I honestly disagree with you. I could, I could see either way. This is the toughest Elite ma- Eight matchup to pick. Uh, going against experience, or are you going to go with the hottest team in the country, Michigan? I I personally like Kansas. I think experience does it this time of the year. Uh, Kansas has that with Frank Mason and uh, Devontae Graham. So we'll just uh, I'll run through my final four picks real quick, and then you can go afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I the other one that was really tough between the Elite Eight was Nova and Duke. I mean, that like we said could potentially be the national championship. Mm-hmm. And both of those, Nova, repeat, you know, looking for the repeat. Won it last year. They have all the all the guys back other than Archie Diacono. They've got the clear clearly the talent. And, uh, you know, Duke, obviously, this is this was considered one of the greatest recruiting classes of all time. And, and they, have, they have all the pieces in place and the coach, obviously, to do it. But, um, you know, I got to go. I got to go. Been there, done that. Nova. And, and I can't I can't look past that. 
So I've got Villanova coming out of the East in a really, really great game, like a classic against Duke. The bottom left in the West, I've got uh, Press Virginia. You know, they make that defense. They, they swarm, and they, it's tough, man. I've never seen a full-court press run more just thoroughly and uh, to, to the point as it should as uh, Bob Huggins gets his guys at West Virginia to do. And so I've got them playing Arizona in the Elite Eight. But um, I like Sean Miller. I really do. And I think that, you know, this this young talent that they have this year is going to be enough to um, take advantage of what we view as probably the weakest region of the four. And so yeah. I've got a Villanova, uh, Arizona, Final Four, top right region, like I said, Kansas, Michigan, really, really tough flashbacks to Trey Burke. But um, I just got to ride the hot streak. Michigan, I think, is uh, – the, the Cinderella this year that nobody saw coming a month ago and is all of a sudden clicking and everybody's scared of. So I've got Michigan making it out of that. And then um, I love Lonzo Ball and TJ Leaf. And, um, you know, Bryce Alford, when he gets going, you better get a hand up and you better block his shot because if you give him an inch of space and he gets it off, it's going down. So uh, another one that could be an instant classic, I got UCLA not only beating Kentucky, but also then – upsetting uh, UNC, who's trying to get back to the national championship. So my final four is Nova, Zona, Michigan, UCLA. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. Villanova and Duke is going to be an insane game in uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, you already know there's going to be a lot of Duke fans there. They travel well, and a lot of fans uh, coming up from Philadelphia. It's going to be a great atmosphere. But I do think experience does it this time of year. And Villanova, obviously uh, defending national champion champions, gets it done. Uh, in the West region, I have Gonzaga facing off against Arizona. Arizona is a decently young team, obviously marking an uh, injury or a freshman. Gonzaga, a little more experience. Williams, Goss, and Karnowski, both seniors. Uh, I think the matchup down low between Markinen and Karnowski is going to be unbelievable, but the strength of Karnowski is going to be what gets it done, and it's finally going to be a Final Four appearance for Gonzaga as they go up against Villanova. On the other side, in the Midwest region, obviously we were just talking about it, Kansas and Michigan. Uh, I really think the difference in this game is experience and the fact that the game's in Kansas City. Pretty much a home game for uh, Kansas, and I think they get it done there. Frank Mason and the boys and Bill Self uh, are going to move on to the Final Four to face off, which I think is the toughest region out of uh, the four, the winner there. you got UNC, UCLA, and uh, Kentucky are your three uh, options there. Uh, I think it comes down to UNC and UCLA. I think UCLA gets it done against Kentucky. But UCLA, Lonzo Ball, he's a proven winner uh, this year. They only have four losses coming out of the Pac-12. Uh, UNC, that's a good backcourt there, Joel Berry, Justin Jackson. But I think the difference in that game is going to be TJ Leaf uh, down low with the combination of Thomas Welsh. Welsh. And uh, UCLA moves on in the south to face Kansas. Um so you want to go to Final Four? Yeah, the fun it? thing about this is uh, as different as me and Jack's bracket are, we actually kind of agree yeah. on how it's going to end up. We yep. agree that, um, you know, Nova, like we said, the experience is going to be a little bit too much for mm -hmm. anybody else. And, um, you know, they, they run him with confidence, and that's, that's key in this time of the year. Yep. And then uh, he's got Kansas, I've got Michigan, both playing UCLA. Mm -hmm. But this we actually agree on. We both think. UCLA is just gonna just continue to ride this yeah. uh, comeback season after they've they haven't they've come back into a little bit of a limelight lately. But mm -hmm. this is this is their full on 
UCLA is back yeah. kind of tournament run. In this game, I really think uh, Lonzo Ball could take over Frank Mason. Frank Mason only being about 5'11 or 6 foot tall, Lonzo being 6'6. He's going to have all the room in the world to do what he wants at the point guard position. So we've got a Nova UCLA national championship. And we've been riding it the entire time we've done this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Villanova. Nova. It's just too much too much talent, too much leadership. I mean, you got the, the been there, done that, the too much yep. experience. And, and that's what it comes down to, honestly. Jay Wright's a heck of a coach, not taking anything away from Steve Alford at UCLA. But Jay Wright's done it before. Before we end this, Jack, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something. Um, Markel Fultz, pretty clear-cut number one pick as of right now. Yeah. A lot of teams love him. If – Lonzo Ball were to somehow lead this UCLA Bruins team to the Nash Championship. Do teams start looking at him ahead of Markel Fultz? You know, I think he, I think that's definitely going to be a, a close situation. Uh, it's Maybe it's not right now, but if he leads them to a national championship, he's going to have something that Markel Fultz did that uh, Markel Fultz didn't, and that's going to be winning. Washington did not really win anything this year in the Pac-12, and UCLA winning a national championship Lonzo Ball will go down as a winner. Markel Fultz will not. Putting you on the spot as well with this one. Um, who do you right now, before this tournament even starts, who do you have as your uh, player of the tournament? Uh, well, with uh, UCLA going to uh, the national championship game, I think it's Lonzo Ball. Uh, he's got some decent decent matchups. Obviously, he's going to have to go through Kentucky, UNC, UNC. Uh, and Villanova, he's going to have three amazing chances to show what he can do uh, in the national stage, and I think he gets it done, especially in that Kansas game. I think he's going to have all the room he wants to do uh, what he wants against uh, Frank Mason. I think he, he could even have a triple-double in that game. The, the one dude to me that I think would be a very big sleeper pick for a player of the tournament, but I think actually has a shot, if Michigan continues to ride this hot streak and make the, yeah. uh, the Final Four, yep. DJ Wilson's been coming on strong yep. lately. Dude was absolutely phenomenal throughout the Big Ten tournament and has been the key piece that they were missing all season. Mm. I mean, he was kind of playing a uh, backseat to Zach Irvin and Derek Walton, but he seems to be ready to kind of you know make that a trio instead of a duo with him playing a yep. role player. And, and you know what? I could totally see that too. The, the key to that is going to be the Louisville game. The Louisville team has centers that will not step out on threes and dj wilson being the center that can step out and hit threes all night long that's going to be a very very difficult matchup for uh, louisville so if he can go off in that game i think you're totally right all right well one last thing before we uh, get going i just want to give you a reminder uh, ten dollars without a retweet for the march madness pool five dollars with a retweet maximum of two brackets Second bracket, regardless of whether or not retweet, is $5. And we are accepting payments through cash, if you can find one of us, or uh, Venmo. Either one works. But, you know, we hope that you join us, and we will post a link shortly for you guys. We thank you for listening, and uh, I'm ready to get us started. Yeah, enjoy uh, March Madness.